So my dad passed away in 2015. We weren't talking and it took a month for his family to track me down. Before I ever knew he was gone, I started hearing from him in heaven. It consumed me. How is communication with the other side even possible? I left my corporate gig, studied with spiritual teachers on every coast, and worked with my angels to figure out the answers. Today, my mission is teaching you how to raise your vibration, shift your thoughts, trust your intuition, develop your unique spiritual gifts, and connect with your loved ones and angels on the other side. Friends, when you have these tools, life really does become heaven on earth. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Angels and Awakening podcast. I'm your host, Julie Jancis, and we are here today with Abby Desjardin. She is a sleep evangelist who believes sleep is an act of reclamation. Through her podcast, Challenges, one-on-one coaching, and membership, she teaches women in business how to transform their work and their lives through the power of sleep. I'm so interested in this. <laughs> um, as a recovering workaholic and insomniac, she knows the struggle is real, but she helps her clients go from exhausted and burnt out to rested and on top of their game. She lives in Seattle with her husband, three girls, and rescue dog. Oh my God, listen to this name. <laughs> Harry Potter. P-A-W-T, Potter, <laughs> Potter, and her cat Lola. She's not a showgirl. When she's not preaching about sleep, you can find her kayaking, reading a good book, driving kids around in the minivan. She swore she would never own. This is like the best <laughs> introduction that you wrote. I absolutely love this. Yeah. Funny enough, we just bought a second minivan this weekend. So we are now a two minivan household. (laughs) Oh my God. One time we went to the the car dealership and we were buying like a little SUV. This was years ago. And the guy goes, yeah, it's like a minivan. And I mean, you could tell he was just like right out of school. He was like younger. And my husband pulled him aside. He goes, you just yeah. lost the sale, man. <laughs> like, why do you do that to yourself? <laughs> but then, you know, what? I had those feelings, but they're so practical. It's the best car I've ever owned. <laughs> Seriously. And the way that it keeps them like entertained, I had no yeah. idea. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. It's so great. <laughs> okay. So we got a lot to dive into today. I, I see yes. that, like the questions that you've got listed, but I really want to start here because we can tend to really live our lives from this mentality that you have to work hard to be successful. And it kind of puts you on this hamster wheel of life where you keep working for these carrots and then there's always a pile of carrots in front of you to keep working for. Abby, (laughs) Get off the hamster wheel. Tell us how you. Oh gosh. Well, I hope you can do it in a better way than I did because I was forced off the hamster wheel. I worked myself to sickness and 
so many of us do that, right? We don't stop until we are forced to stop. And so I think it's really, it starts with really paying attention to what your body is telling you because your body talks to you all day, every day. And we've been taught to to block it out and tamp yep. it down and say, no, I just need to do this. And here's my to-do list and I mind above matter. And, you know, all of those things that have been drilled into us. Right. 100%. And it's not sustainable. And even if you think it's sustainable, other parts of your life are going to start falling apart too. Yeah. A hundred and ten percent. We were absolutely taught not to trust our intuition and our body in any way, shape, or form, which is why we have to do so much work, our generation as adults, to come back to it. So you're totally right. It it breaks down your body, it breaks down your relationships, it breaks down so, so much. Talk to us about why it's important for women to really reclaim their sleep. I view sleep as an act of empowerment. I like to always tell the story of when I was a kid, these memories that I have of waking up in the middle of the night, what I felt like was the middle of the night, hours after I went to sleep and finding my mom up, you know, sewing a costume for the school play or you name it. She was doing something for us in the middle of the night, even though she had to be up in two hours to get us off to school. And so... That's really kind of where that comes from is just looking around at all of these women. And I know so many amazing women, women that stay home with their kids, women that work outside of the home, you know, all walks of life. And there's this common thread of taking care of ourselves last, always, Mm -hmm. you know, what do my kids need? What does the community need? What does my partner need? If you're in a relationship, you know, all of these things. And then if we have any time or energy left over, then we can maybe ask what we need, right? Yeah. So I feel like we need to put ourselves first, first and foremost for ourselves and reframe it as, yes, it's important to help all of these other people. But we are in no place to do that if we're pouring from an empty cup to start with. Yeah. So this is a thought that I had too, you know, just recently. I had grown up and my mom had always told me that I would write. And so when I would hear different things about writers, they would stick in my head. And you always heard about successful women writers. And what they would always say is after the kids went Uh to sleep, Uh I would stay up and write, write, write. And it dawned on me this year, what the heck, you know, like how dysfunctional, you know, they weren't given a choice, but COVID has really placed these severe, severe burdens of time, energy onto women trying to balance these ridiculous kid schedules. I mean, my daughter's still in half days right now at school feels like that kindergarten schedule. You drop them off at nine, nine o'clock. And by the time you get home, it's like nine 30. Then you have to leave to get into the carpool (laughs) line. Like I literally, I park 
like a block away from the school, because if you don't get there a certain time, you're in that line for 45 minutes. Oh yeah, for sure. So I park early, then I get in front of the school at the time that they allow you to start from like lining up, have held all of my Zoom meetings at that time over there, right? Yeah, yeah. And I have to leave at like 1130 to get in this line. So you don't have, I have two and a half hours in the morning. Yeah. And half the time you're checking the time, making sure that you're going to get to where you need to be when you need to be there. So she's not standing there waiting for you. Right. Yeah. 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 It's just, you know, and there are so many reasons that women are in the position that we're in today. COVID just kind of shined every light on. It's not new. There are inadequacies in the system that have always been there. Right. But it was easier to ignore them before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I personally have but been in- still sweeping some of them under the rug, or do you think that they're being addressed in COVID? Oh, I don't think they're being addressed. I think people, some people are talking about them. I think for a lot of people, it's easier to keep ignoring them right now because they just don't have the bandwidth to take, take it on. on to. Yeah. yeah. So, so how do you start to shift that part of it? Because that's the bigger conversation that needs to be had. And it seems like it starts within our individual relationships, but that's hard because there are some partners who are willing to look at things and open their minds to being like a 50, 50% partnership in all things. Mm-hmm. And there's some who aren't. Yeah. And you know, this is going to sound really harsh, but I think you have to take a step back and ask yourself what you want. And it's not always going to be the easy decision or the easy path. But first and foremost, you always need to take care of yourself. You know, not at the expense of other people. And it might take time to build those systems and have those conversations. And sometimes it's really good to sit down and write out everything that you do in a day, that invisible labor, right? That we hear so much about, you know, all of it lives in our heads. And that's a, that's a generalization. There are great dads and partners out there that do take all this on and they help out equally, but I don't clean in my household. Just FYI. I don't think I, I yeah, I don't either. Yeah. Yeah. Or cook. (laughs) Yeah. So I, uh, I'm, I bought my husband cooking <clears throat> lessons for Christmas. <laughs> he actually wanted them. But when I told my grandma that, she goes, oh, my granddaughter's pretty <laughs> smart. She bought a <laughs> Christmas present for herself. And I was like, well, didn't think about it that way. But yeah. <laughs> well, and, you know, you just made me think about my husband's grandma. You know, she's in her late 80s and she always says, you are just so lucky to have a husband like that. (laughs) And I always respond with, it's not luck. I intentionally chose a person that was going to be a partner and I won't tolerate any less. Yes. You know, that's just it, period. So like, and you know, it's a totally different generation. So it's hard to They'll never quite understand it because they were raised so differently than we are today. Some of us anyway. But yeah, I think it starts with sitting down, 
writing it all out, and then really taking the time to consider how you're going to have that conversation. In our in my membership, actually, I have a script on how to start that conversation with your partner. Wow. Because there are so many people in that they've just created this life and you're, you know, a decade into it and you don't even question the roles that people are playing. So starting that with facts, I'm spending, you know, five hours a day driving to and from school, to and from activities, all of these things. I'm spending an hour or two a day cooking dinner. I'm spending an hour a week meal planning. I'm spending two hours a week grocery, you know, like really add all that up. Yeah. And use that as data (laughs) to have that conversation, right? For sure. I've got a few announcements. This month's winner of the drawing is Mackenzie Payne, who gets one free session with me. Email me a screenshot of your five-star positive review on Apple Podcasts, Google Business, or my Facebook page for your chance to win next month. Details are in the show notes. Friends, in the Angel Membership in June 2021, Archangel Raphael and I are teaching you self-energy healing 101 and chakras 101. You'll learn how to give yourself an energy healing session, techniques to keep your energy clear, and how you can heal your own energy field. To join this course live or replay at any time, sign up for the Angel Membership Program today. Also, a new class of the Angel Reiki School begins on June 1st. Join this separate program to develop your unique spiritual gifts and become an Angel Reiki Master. I'm still offering private readings. To book one, sign up for our weekly angel email. Once a month, you'll get an email that contains a link to book your session online. One more thing, I am loving spending time with you live and answering your questions over on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Follow me on social and our newly launched YouTube channel for tons of new video content. Thanks for your support and for sharing this podcast with your people. I'm wondering, you know, because sometimes do you ever go through life and you're like, wow, I thought I was the only person going through this. And then you realize, no, this is like a collective human experience that everybody goes through. Because I, I remember kind of being in my 20s and early 30s and being like, well, I've got time, you know, like on the weekends, I have this, I have that, you know, I I have time for myself. Mm -hmm. And then there's something that happens like as children grow up, where it's like, huh, all of the weeks are just spiraling in to one another. Like, I have no more weekend. Like, it is completely 100% like eaten up by activities. And that slowed Uh down maybe a little bit with COVID, but not really because there's a laundry and then there's cooking and then there's all these things around the house Mm -hmm. and bills. And is that a collective experience? That's a collective experience for sure. And I think what we need to do, those things aren't going to go away, right? Those are just like 
adulting things, things that we just have to do today. Yeah. Well, I, first of all, I think we all need to give ourselves permission to opt out of adulting every once in a while, because that's like a sanity saving thing. Right. And second of all, I think we need to start to reframe the conversation because up till now it's been oh, look at that, you know, I'm going to say woman here. Look at that woman. She's having a spa day while her kids are with the nanny or, you know, like that's an extreme example, but women are shamed for taking care of themselves and told they're a bad mom because they're not spending every ounce of energy on their child. And so I think for me, the biggest shift came when I stepped back And it started several years ago, but I didn't have the words until I read Glennon Doyle's most recent book. Mm, Untamed. Yes. And would I want this life for my child, right? And the answer is no. I don't. I have three girls. I don't want them to grow up you know, seeking external validation and praise as their way of, you know, achievement, praise, all of those things as their way of feeling whole. And I don't want them sacrificing their health, mental health, physical health to achieve those things. Mm -hmm. And so I can talk and have those conversations with them until I'm blue in the face. And they are conversations that we have a lot. But if I'm not showing them how to do that. Mm -hmm. If I'm just saying it and not doing it, they're not going to pick up on the conversation. They're going to watch what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so that is because a way that I've reframed it. Yeah. Because kids emulate our behaviors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been really powerful to reframe it in that way because We are motivated to do things for our kids. It's so much easier for us to say, yes, I'll do that for you than it is to say, yes, I'll do that for ourselves. So use it for your advantage and say, I am showing my kids self-care for their benefit. I am showing them that moms and women in general, even if you don't have kids, you can put yourself first and that's okay. I find that my life goes through these ebbs and waves of like, okay, there's like this lull, I'm going to enjoy like some downtime, I'm going to enjoy some rest. And then there's like complete chaos. It doesn't seem like there's like (laughs) a little middle. It's just one or the other, like there's so much going on and everything's spinning. And I see my energy because a lot of people here on the podcast feel into energy very deeply. So I feel almost as if my entire body is like a battery, right? Mm -hmm. And when I feel like I'm good, you can feel it within your body. There's a vibration to it. But in a previous life, I was an event planner here. And when you're doing events, you're working these really long hours. It's very physical. And I would find after like the first two or three events, my body would get to this point where I was like almost shaky. Mm -hmm. I knew I was hydrated. I hadn't been drinking enough water. And like, I needed to sleep for like three days. 
so now I don't let myself get to that point. Mm-hmm. I recognize it and I go, nope, we got to rein this in because we are working way too hard here. How do you teach people to recognize that energy within themselves? A lot of questioning and observing. We can't change anything until we know it exists, mm-hmm. right? And so if someone comes to me and they're exhausted, the first thing I we have a discussion and I just say tell me about your day. Tell me about your job. Tell me about, you know, what you like to do for fun. And a lot of the times people can't really tell me about their day. Mm. It's shocking. Like we're just on this autopilot and they'll say, you know, they'll just say, I went to work, helped my kids cook dinner and went to bed. But there's all these little pieces in the middle that are left out, right? So it a lot of journaling, journaling is a big thing because it helps you start to notice things with prompts like, you know, what did you do today? When did you feel you know, most at peace? When did you have the most energy? When did you have the least energy? What time did you get up? What time did you go to bed? There are so many different questions because with in specifically with regards to sleep, it's going to look a little bit different for everybody. There isn't a one size fits all answer. Some people honestly need only six and a half hours of sleep and some people need nine. That's a, the six and a half are like, it's a very small percentage of people, but they often have trouble sleeping because they've been told you need eight hours of sleep. So they have unrealistic expectations and then that creates anxiety. And then you're just in this spiral of I'm not getting enough sleep when realistically for them, they are. And it all comes back to, do you feel rested throughout the day? If you do, then you're getting enough sleep. If you don't, then you probably need to take a step back and really look at how much sleep you're getting. And then really your sleep at night starts when you get up in the morning. Yeah. So when you get up first thing in the morning, what you do then and all day impacts how you sleep when you go to bed at night. All right. You've just said a lot. We need to unpack this because (laughs) I want people to hear some very like key nuggets of information that you just touched on that. I don't know that they totally got yet. Yeah. Let's go back to where you were saying you were asking people about their day and they could not tell you what had happened. I got to tell you like the person that I am today versus the person that I was in 2015 is a completely different individual. Mm -hmm. And I can remember back to 2015 coming home from corporate gig and my husband, daughter, and I sitting down at the dinner table, my husband and I having the conversation, like, what did you do today? Same old thing. What did you do today? Same old thing. Mm -hmm. And that was like it. Yeah. And when you were saying that, I had this total like flash and aha moment of when you like that is a huge indicator and a huge tool that if you can't speak about your day, then there isn't enough mindfulness, presence Mm -hmm. and awareness within your day where you're just conscious. Yeah. 
because our conversations are completely different now and they have been since we changed, like made this change. Now, as you go through your day, you recognize that you're going to be talking at the dinner table. You recognize that there's going to be conversation. And so you start to think to yourself, oh, I want to, I want to say this at the dinner table. Wow. Total aha moment. (laughs) It's such a complete tool that people can use. Yeah. And I think the other question you have to ask when you realize that that's happening, when you're like, oh gosh, I honestly don't know what I did today is what am I avoiding? Because you tune out and you, you disassociate when you're avoiding something. Ah. So are you avoiding the fact that you hate your job? So you just like check out for the day while you're there as a means to protect yourself. Wow. You know, like it, there are so many layers to all of it. And I'm not a counselor. I'm not a licensed mental health counselor, but I've just spent a lot of time doing the work myself and walking other people through all of this. (laughs) Amazing. I want to know in your research and as you like worked people through this, A lot of people in this community will report because they're very highly empathic. They're very highly sensitive people. They know that they're intuitive. They know that they're seeing signs and synchronicities. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are visual dreamers. So they will dream so vividly that it's hard for them to get restful sleep, even if they're in their beds for eight hours, right? Have you come across that at all? What I come across more often is actually people who aren't remembering dreams at all because Mm -hmm. they're maybe not even getting to that stage of sleep. I think something for people to keep in mind is that we dream the most at the end of the night and the least at the beginning of the night. So if you can get yourself in bed at a decent hour, you will get more of that deep sleep before the dream the dream part of your sleep really starts to take off. So we go through sleep cycles approximately every 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And the ratio of how long you're in each stage of sleep shifts as you move through the cycles throughout the night. And the ones towards the end of the night or closer to the morning are the ones where you have more dream sleep, typically, if you have a normal sleep pattern. Okay. How do you get the best night's sleep? Well, the biggest thing and the the number one thing, because I feel like there's all this information out there and people get overwhelmed and they don't know where to start. And so they just don't even try. Right. Yeah. So the biggest, most impactful thing you can do to get better sleep is to get up at the same time every single morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, no sleeping in on the weekends, same time every morning. Okay. So how do you do that? Cause I wrote that down, you know, some mornings it's easy to just kind of bounce out of bed and I don't drink coffee cause I'm very, very highly sensitive to caffeine and I can't mm-hmm. It doesn't make me feel good. So some mornings I'll just come bouncing out of bed, like kind of Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. And then other mornings it's like Eeyore, right? Just keep hitting that snooze alarm as many yeah. as you can. But then you feel worse throughout your day when you hit the snooze. Mm-hmm. Why is that? 
Because you're not resting. You're when you're hitting the snooze, you automatically are in an anxious state because you're waiting for the alarm to go off again. And you can't actually get back to real solid sleep every, you know, the snooze goes off what every 10 minutes. Yeah. So you're not really getting back to sleep. You're just kind of like skirting the surface in this like almost hyper aware state. Yeah. And so that's a hard one. The first few weeks, anytime you're building a new habit, the first few weeks are always the hardest. (laughs) But I would say that identifying something that you love, that's nourishing, that feels good, and that's motivating to you that you get to do right after you get out of bed. The carrot, right? What is the thing you get? What are you rewarding yourself with because you got out of bed? For some people, it might be the coffee. For other people, it might be sitting in a sauna for other it might people it might be you know a chapter of a book that they're reading you know whatever it is there's really no wrong answer other than going back to sleep <laughs> um, <laughs> but like what can you give yourself when you actually follow through and get out of bed because then you know that that's waiting there for you and that creates more extrinsic motivation for you to actually get out of bed. Okay. So my mind loves to overthink things and I love Uh this reward system. It's leading me to another thought though, which is, (laughs) you know how they say that you do have those sleep cycles. I forget at the moment, you know, how long those are, but I remember looking it up one day and calculating it out. Do you time it based on that? Like, do you get that precise? Like, So eventually you start to play with it. You do? Eventually. But at the beginning, it's literally not even about what time you go to sleep. It's only about what time you wake up because that starts to regulate what's called our circadian rhythm. It's our biological rhythm in our body that regulates our hormones, our appetites, all the chemicals in our brain. Like it regulates pretty much every bodily process that we have going on. And so, you know, back hundreds and thousands of years ago, (laughs) we had the sun that would regulate that for us. We didn't have artificial light. We operated when it was light out, it was time to get up. When it was dark out, it was time to go to bed. There weren't things in your house that could keep you up at night, really. But now you could have daylight 24 hours a day if that was really something that you wanted. And some people do, like when you take a screen to bed, you are giving your body signals that it's time to be awake. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that, you know, we have to really tap into how we regulate that cycle. And the first step is to keep a consistent wake time. That's going to start triggering your body at approximately the same time every evening, it's time to go to bed. Yeah. But if you're sleeping in, you're pushing that off. And then if you're getting up earlier, you're pulling it. It's like the inconsistency is where you get in trouble. 
Totally, totally. And I'm thinking to myself, because the more like I try and get up at about 5am, but then I have to be in bed by nine. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it's, there is a thing called a chronotype and this could be like a whole topic in and of itself, but Essentially, there are categories of people that operate on different general schedules. So you have early morning people who are kind of, in our society, the people that are put up on a pedestal, like everyone should be this early bird, working out at 5 a.m., then getting in and getting, you know, four hours of work done before anyone else arrives at the office. Well, that's not that many people. That's like 20% of people that are actually built to operate that way. Okay. Another 20% are what we would commonly refer to as night owls. They are, the chronotype is called the wolf, but it's what, when people say I'm a night owl, that's this category where getting them up before 9am is like nearly impossible. And they work better late into the night. Teenagers often fall into this category as their rhythms start to shift later into the night. That's why there's been this whole debate about school opening times, because we are literally fighting against their biological programming when we get them out of bed early in the morning. Yep. So, which is interesting because that's how I functioned best as a high school student too, is I would wake up at 5am, do my homework, but then I would be the monster zombie coming out of my room at 930 to my mom and sister being like, turn the late night TV shows down, you know, (laughs) you're disturbing me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, it took me a long time to, to understand how the brain works. And there's certain things like when you're lacking food and when Uh you're lacking sleep, where my counselor calls it your cingulate, it's like a light switch that goes off and you literally have no more capacity for anything else until you're fueled back up. Mm -hmm. And then, so you do become a different person. Yeah. You're operating in fight or flight at that point. Your body is in survival mode because your body is viewing the lack of sleep as a threat to your existence. And it is, (laughs) it's, it's not a matter of if it's just a matter of when, if you continuously sacrifice sleep over time. Wow. All right. Okay. I got so many more questions. Uh, All right. My first question is, I got to get both of these questions out. My husband is the night owl. I mean, Mm -hmm. he can stay up late, get up early. He's the type of person who needs like six hours of sleep each night, but he's a teacher. So in the summers, then it totally throws me off because he wants me to cuddle on the couch and stay up until midnight. And I'm like, dude, I am dead tired at 9 p.m. How do you deal with that? And then I totally forgot my other question, but I know it'll come back to me. (laughs) So I think it just comes back to having that conversation. Yeah. Like naming all of it. it. During the school year, it's fine because we're operating on a similar schedule. And when you, I'm 
fine with you shifting into this other schedule if that's what feels good for you. But for me, I can't do that. And it has nothing to do with me not wanting to spend time with you. When would be a good time for us to have a snuggle on the couch that is not at 11 p.m.? (laughs) I love that. I normally have to get in the kitchen and help him with the dishes so that his mind is at ease because he can't calm down until the entire house is spick and span. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So now I'm going to rack my brain for what do I reward myself with when I get up? What do people reward themselves with if it's not coffee? Like I said, some people really take advantage of that time to read a chapter in whatever book they're reading. I sometimes go, I have a sauna at my house because for my health, it just was something that I wanted to invest in. I like to get in the sauna in the morning and have a good sweat before everyone gets out of bed. You know, it really is going to depend because what's motivating to people is so individualized. You have to really think about what you want. Okay, let's back this up a little bit because (laughs) here's the other thing. You know, we grow up with parents and we're watching what they do and then we emulate it when we come out. But then you look at other people's lives and you're like, wait, it can work this way. So how much time are people taking to themselves? Because I even have a hard time just taking time to myself to get ready in the morning, right? And get Mm -hmm. dressed. Well, it's been really hard in coronavirus, like to just get yeah. things done. Well, I this is a two-parter. First off, I want to acknowledge that I am speaking from an extreme place of privilege about all of these things, right? Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be a privilege to sleep and prioritize sleep, but it absolutely is in the way that our country functions. So I want to put that out there first. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. However, a lot of us do have the option. Ultimately, we have the option. And so I think of it as a practice, just like anything else you're learning. You know, people have a yoga practice or a, you know, a running practice or something you do on a regular basis to maintain or improve some aspect of your life right? So for some people, they're going to spend more time doing it. For some people, they're going to spend less and it may vary from day to day, but there will be those non-negotiables that you figure out. I need, this is the bare minimum I need to do each day in order to get enough sleep, in order to feel centered, in order to feel, just feel good every day. These are the things that have to happen. And then you can add on to those when you want to, when you have time, you know, but figuring out that bare minimum first is a great starting place. So for me, it's at least two miles of walking Mm -hmm. because I just need to get out and move, especially with coronavirus, because we're just home all the time. My kids are still haven't gone back to school yet. We're still fully remote. We have been for a year now. And so walking, sauna, most nights I take a hot bath before bed. And 
at least 30 minutes by myself, especially right now during COVID, because I am an introvert and I need lots of time alone to recharge. And there is not a time right now where my house is empty ever. <laughs> repeat this list again. Bath every night. Bath every minutes. night. And the 30 minutes to yourself, I want to make clear for the listeners, is separate from the bath. Yes. Okay. And then walk two miles a day. Yep. Which, you know, is like a 30 or 45 minute. If you're, I don't make it like a workout thing. I don't like the idea of working out. I like to say I move my body. That just feels better to me. So yeah, I do that. I do the sauna because it just helps my whole body feel better. And people add that up and you're probably thinking, oh my God, that's so much time. <laughs> well, when you take away the amount of time that we spend on social media, it's probably Yes. Not. Yes. When you do, if you track your time for even one day, you will be shocked at the little five, 10 minutes here and there that add up to so much time. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And so for me and for people in a position like me where I have, you know, the financial resources, the I'm in a partnership where we do share the burden and the responsibilities equally, you know, that is what I have made a priority. Yeah. And I don't feel bad if my if I'm having alone time and my kids are like, mom, nope. Not right now. I'm taking care of myself right now. This is my time. You get other time. Right now, I'm with myself. Unless there's a finger <laughs> falling off. What? Unless there's a finger falling off. Well, yeah. Off. They know, like, <laughs> if someone is in imminent danger or bleeding or, like, there's a fire, they know that that is an acceptable excuse to come and get me. But other than that, I have train them pretty well to know like you absolutely cannot come anywhere near where I am right now. <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. So when it comes to, let's say this privilege, right? Have you yeah. worked with anybody, you know, or with a group of women who, what do you say to those who don't have the same privilege? That is such a hard conversation. And I will say that I haven't worked with a lot of them because the work that I do, I think, and, you know, I I can't say for sure, but it feels so out of reach, this idea of making time for yourself feels so impossible that, you know, people just don't even go there because it's like, well, that's not a thing we can fit into the day. You know, I have two jobs and I, you know, all of the things, right? And so that is an important piece of what I do is talk about privilege, talk about all of the systems in our country that have made it so that these people are having to live that way. Yeah. Because 
I can say all of these things, right? There are people that literally don't have 20 minutes to themselves. And it's not because of any choices that they've made. It's the circumstance that they're in. Well, and I get that on a very, very personal level because it does. It wasn't because my family couldn't afford things growing up, but my dad instilled like a very, very strong work ethic early mm-hmm. on where like I was competing against myself every year to see how many Girl Scout cookies I could sell. Right. And it was always we have money to buy that, but we're not going to buy that. You figure out how you can get it for yourself, Mm -hmm. even very young, like in fourth grade. And then my parents did go through a divorce where they're like the financial level was completely different. And then I was working, you know, in a pizza place or a sub place to help with groceries sometimes. Yeah. And I find it, you know, even as an adult, and I've heard Will Smith talk about this before, too, that, you know, even as he became, got to a position where he didn't have to work as hard, it's very, very difficult to turn that fully off. It is. yourself. Because it's been programmed in you that your work ethic is your worth. Right. And we've been trained to think that if it's not hard, you're not doing it right. Right. And all and we need to undo that. (laughs) And I think it's important for like the listeners to know, like, I know this stuff sometimes. Right. And I teach this stuff, Mm -hmm. but it's hard. You know, you get some points very easy. They come to you very easy. And then there's other parts where it's like, man, I keep bumping against my own wall, like my own brick wall. And yeah, yeah. it doesn't go away. It will always show up. Right. And what we have to do is learn to recognize when it does label it, know that that's what's happening and consciously choose a different way, right? Because it's, it lives in us. It's, it, it was our lived experience. And so that's not just going to go away. Right. No, a hundred percent. Well, I'm the type of person that like, I will draw out these different calendar systems of mm-hmm. like, okay, this is how I can cram in all of this for the whole family into the week. And then it doesn't work, right? So then you redraw out the calendar system and you even take things out. Like we started limiting the number of activities at one point and we just tried all these different things. And we call it like a fast paced society, but it's more than that. Like you can try and par down, par down, par down, par down. And there's still so much to engage in. Yeah. And I think that's why I talk about it so much because I feel like everyone feels that way, right? There are very few people, if you ask, like, do you like doing all of having 18 hours a day scheduled activities? Yeah. Very few people are going to say, yes, I love it. But they are going to say, that's just life. Right. So how do we change that? Right. We have to start having these conversations with people willing to go out on a limb and say, this is 
bullshit. (laughs) I don't know if we can say that on here, but like, you have to call it out and, and recognize how we got here. You know, what are the systems? What are the messages? What are the institutions built to uphold all of these things? Right. And how do we start to undo it? And we start to undo it by people in places of privilege divesting and saying, I'm not going to do this anymore. Right. Do you see that that's going to come within corporate America where the the percentage of contractors is growing, growing, growing. And corporate America is at this point where they are loving this right now because they're not having to pay the insurance for Mm -hmm. these contractors that are working for them. But at the same time, there's going to become a day of reckoning when you have more contractors than you do employees and the power dynamic completely shifts. Do you see that on the forefront too? I do see that. And I think the piece with the contractor that we really need to focus in on is not letting them off the hook financially because you're a contractor. Not letting the corporation like yep. less, right? Yep. 110%. Because like I, by training, originally I am a speech therapist and I spent 10 years working in the schools and I left to, to build my own clinic because I just could not work with that dictated schedule that all of the things, right? Right. And in my doing my own clinic, I still sometimes will sub for school districts. And they usually think it's so great because they take advantage of these contractors. And because I know that I go in, it's like caseload caps and I'll take on extra kids, but this is how much you're going to pay me. And I will not work more than this hours, this many hours. If I do, you're paying me X amount more, you know, like really keeping them accountable for not thinking that it's a better deal to have contractors because then maybe they'll actually start taking care of their employees again. Yeah. That's what I see coming as well, too. It's got to change 110%. Okay, so you have given us such great nuggets of information. I am going to really think about what I want to reward myself with when yes. I up in the morning. I want to know from you, what are, let's say, the three best tips that you haven't used so far that you can give women just in general? Like, what are the best three tips that you've got for us, Abby? So I would say... One, move your body every day. Don't think of it as working out or exercising because that carries all sorts of other messages, right? Tune into what feels good. Maybe it's like literally sitting on the floor for five minutes and stretching, or maybe it is taking the dog on a walk or jumping on the trampoline with your kids, or, you know, it doesn't have to be some like hugely planned, intense, like you want to drop on the floor and die after you're done. It doesn't have to be that. Just like move, right? That's the first one. The second one is give yourself grace always. Because when we start to try to make changes in our lives, the minute we don't stick to it, the first thing we do is start beating ourselves up. 
why couldn't I do that? It's so simple. Why didn't I just do it? I'm lazy. I'm, you know, fill in, fill in the blank. (laughs) We all do it. So give yourself some grace, especially right now. We are living through a crisis that no, almost no one alive has ever experienced. And so if you need to be on the couch and watch 10 episodes of Netflix and you can do that, then do it. Mm-hmm. You know, just be kind to yourself. And the third one is have those conversations with the people that you're partnered with in your life. You know, whether it's a romantic partner, whether you are, it's a friend, your parents, whoever it is, even your kids. And just really start to plant that seed with them that this is important and everyone should be doing it. And I need to take care of myself because then I am happy and I am able to help the world more in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Abby, you are such a blessing and an earth angel to so many (laughs) Tell everybody where they can uh, find you on your website online. Yeah. Yeah. So my website is abbydesjarden.com. And I'm sure that'll be in the show notes. The spelling is a little tricky. I'm also on Instagram at abbydesjarden. That's where I like to spend most of my time. And then I have a podcast called Things That Keep Us Up at Night. And we talk not only about sleep in and of itself, the science of sleep and the behavior of sleep, but also about all of these issues that, you know, when you're in bed at night and you can't fall asleep, what's running through your head. So we talk about finances and politics and relationships and parenting and so many really amazing, fun conversations. And so, yeah, check that out too. That's amazing. (laughs) Abby, thank you so much for spending your time here. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Beautiful souls, I'm so excited to announce that my book on angels and how they're working miracles in your life will be available on Amazon fall of 2021. If you're listening on or after fall of 2021, check it out. Friends, if you'd like to work with me each week, my angel membership program is perfect for you. You can join at any time and you get access to past courses. In 2021, I'll be teaching you about a new topic each month. We started the year in February with a course on oneness and raising your vibration. March is angel communication, how to hear your angels. April is trusting your intuition. May is knowing your soul's purpose. June is working with Archangel Raphael to learn self-energy healing techniques and chakras 101. July is rewriting the stories you've been holding on to. August is all about rewiring your mind to move past blocks. September is energetically working through ancestral trauma. October is working with your inner child and Archangel Michael. November is a guide to being an empath. Then we're rounding out the year with a course in December that helps you connect with your loved ones on the other side 
to help you deepen your personal connection with them. And in January 2022, we'll be back with a whole new course on manifestation and co-creation. You get all of this live group access to me, two new pre-recorded Reiki healings, and advance notice to book a session with me when you're an angel member. Sign up for the angel membership anytime. If you're listening in 2022, please know that we're planning to add new content each month. For details and to sign up, view the show notes below. Friends, the only thing that's not included in the angel membership right now is the Angel Reiki School, where you learn to develop your unique spiritual gifts. Whereas the angel membership is about your awakening journey and your personal spiritual growth, the Angel Reiki School, on the other hand, certifies you as an Angel Reiki Master Teacher and teaches you the art of energy healing and bringing through messages for your clients. Friends, if you're feeling called to the Angel Reiki School, it's because the souls you're here to help on earth, well, they're omnipresent piece of them. You know, they're higher selves on the other side. That's what's behind you, pushing you, fueling you to become who you're meant to be. Because when you do, they know your work will shift the trajectory of their life here. That's what I mean when I say you have big, big purpose in this lifetime. A new class of the Angel Reiki School starts on the first of each month. Speaking of the Angel Reiki School, we're going to need about 800 volunteers this year. We select volunteers from people who've written a five-star positive review and emailed us a copy. That way, we have a way of contacting you for your free volunteer session. Many of you have asked if I'm still booking sessions, and the answer to that is yes. I love, love, love my sessions with you. We have a new system where we send out an email once a month with a link to my calendar for you to book online. It's really easy. All you have to do is sign up to be on my email list on my website, theangelmedium.com. I've been spending a ton of time going live with you on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, and I'm having a blast with it. Join me over on social and our newly launched YouTube channel for tons of new content, teaching videos, and actual video footage of these podcast episodes. Friends, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so, so much for being part of this community and listening to this show. I truly feel that this is your show and the angel's show, and I just feel so blessed to be a part of it. You're the most supportive community a podcaster could have. I pray for you every day. If you have a special prayer request, you can submit it through my website homepage and I'll be praying for you personally. Now for the oneness meditation, which is the last five minutes of every episode. And as you do this meditation, you'll raise your vibration and the vibration of the planet. Friends, what I want you to do is to just get into a relaxed position. If you are driving, operating machinery, need to concentrate, then this meditation is not for you. But anyone who is able to focus their attention on it, please join me. 
Friends, I want you to start by taking a deep breath in and a deep breath out. And I want you to imagine that your socks, your shoes are off and that your bare feet are able to connect with the soil of the earth. And down through the bottom, the soles of your feet are these large roots that go down far and wide into the earth. Those roots go down far and wide, anchoring you into the earth as if you were a tree yourself. And up through those roots comes this beautiful, yummy, tingly energy begins to tingle at the tip of your toes. I want you to allow this yummy, tingly energy to just dance up over your feet, around your ankles. Feel this yummy, tingly energy as it moves up over your calves, your shins, all the way up to your knees. Feel this energy at your knees and allow it to move up the thighs, the hamstrings, all the way up to the sides of the hips. I want you to allow this energy to move from the hips up to the base of your spine, the base of your stomach. And I want you to feel this energy as it climbs up the spine and the stomach all the way up until it reaches your heart. As you feel this yummy, tingly, sparkly energy surrounding the outside of your heart, filling the inside of your heart, notice how your entire body comes into a gentle state of ease. Allow this energy to move up into the shoulders, into the neck. Feel it as it fills your entire head front to back, side to side, top to bottom. And then feel this energy as it moves through the hair follicles on the top of your head so that you feel this yummy tingliness two inches to ten feet or higher above the top of your head. Friends, you might feel like there's a string above your head lifting you up towards the sky. You might feel an airy floatiness. You might feel an expansive spaciousness. What I want you to do from here is imagine that there is this large opening at the crown of your head. It's the size of a cereal bowl, right? And I want you to imagine that it extends upwards towards heaven and that God sends this loving, peace-filled oneness energy. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's bliss, it's ease. 
is its grace. And God just sends this energy through the crown of your head. It moves through your head, down through your neck, down through your shoulders, and it starts to pool this God energy, starts to pool around your heart, within your heart. And I just want you to feel that for a moment. And I want you to just tap in and notice. I want you to notice that your heart, your physical heart, is one with your body. And I want you to notice that your heart and your body are one with the air surrounding you. surrounding you are one with all life here on earth, all plants, all people, all animals, all life on earth. And now notice how your heart, body, air surrounding you, all life here on earth are connected to everything Friends, did you notice how your body got more expansive, your energy got more expansive, and you could feel out into your auric field, you could feel out into the energy of the world, into the energy of everything everywhere. Friends, that is oneness, and you can carry oneness with you in your everyday. I don't want you to stop here. I don't want you to open up your eyes. I want you to continue this meditation and to see that surrounding you are angels. You have guardian angels around you. You have cherub angels holding the space open for you to get into oneness at any time. You have archangels working with you in every area of your life. You have loved ones on the other side. See them. See them in detail, friends, because you seeing them in detail is the exact same thing as you going to them on the other side, knocking on their door, asking them to spend time with you. They love you so incredibly much. They want to spend time with you. They want to develop that relationship with you. When they're there, you're here. I know it's different, but you can still have that beautiful, incredible relationship. All of these beings, your angels, your guides, your loved ones on the other side, they form your spirit team who's always working to guide you, direct you, protect you. Friends, what I want you to do is just take some time with them right here, right now. What they want you to know is that they are working with you all the time. What they want you to know is that they are sending you signs and symbols to show you that they're next to you. Friends, they ask you to see that they are bringing in gift after gift after gift through your heart chakra to bless your life with miracles. 
friends, it's your job to remain open, to believe, and to trust that they are working miracles in your life. Friends, I love you. They love you so incredibly much. Stay open and know, believe, trust, have faith, know like you know like you know that they are working with you always. See you here next time. Have a blessed day.